With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. Featuring Dave AC, The Sixth Doctor, and Randall Thor. Welcome everybody to another Cultum Collective podcast. Uh, Dave AC here. Oh yes, that's strange, isn't it? Well, we've had another phone in. Yes, the caretaker is still ill and we couldn't get a replacement at sh- such short notice. So it's just Mike and I here. Uh, Mike, you've never been a PE teacher, have you? Not as far as I know. There may have been some odd days, but uh, no, never been a PE teacher. And I'm not really a maths teacher either. <laughs> you don't wear a bow tie, do you? I have a bow tie. Oh, oh, very good, very good. Young time traveller in the making there. I have a bow tie and I have a sonic screwdriver. Both are blue. Yes, well, I mean, Ian's only claim to fame is a brush, uh, but I think he's off mending it at the moment. It's either that or he's become what these very famous big-headed stars become. You know, he's going to phone it in. Yes, we're hoping he's going to phone in his review at the end, but uh, you're just going to have to contain yourselves with... Uh, Uh, Mike and myself as we go through the commentary on uh, Doctor Who Series 8 Episode 6 The Caretaker and without further ado let me uh, get our official copy all lined up we're at the starting page are you ready Mike? I'm ready over here I see two suns and uh, some cliffs in the background oh wait Doctor Who okay I'm good to go it's not Tatooine is it? Maybe. Ah, actually, I thought I saw Spock there in the background, uh, not pong faring, but uh, doing his uh, his meditation anyway. Oh my! <laughs> yes, we don't want any pong faring tonight. Here we go. In five, four, three, two, one, play. Are we on Gallifrey? Ah. Kind of has that look to it. Yeah. The, the, the sort of area that surrounds... You remember the Five Doctors? There was a sort of a forbidden zone around it. Yeah. Faulty jacket. <laughs> Vibro cutters. Yeah, a bit funny, that. I think there was something similar in Star Wars. Vibro blades or something. Speaking of Tatooine as we were. I mean, we're having the... oh. The out of uh, context, out of time. Uh, oh, something ah. strange about that fishy, you might say. Uh, half, half to half and a half not. There you go. Oh. Now, uh, one thing I did like about this is the fact that it, it, it moves us on. We're, we're 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 telling the audience that you know the relationship, the. Uh, uh, the lifestyle that has been going has uh, been developing all the way through. 
and uh, these two are definitely an item. Mm -hmm. A comment there from the doctor about hating soldiers. No, I would almost like to see some of those adventures that we cut glimpses of. Yeah, this is probably Ian's favorite scene, by the way. If Ian were an audio, (laughs) he would be transfixed at this point. Yeah. Yeah, but Ian wouldn't have, but there we go. (laughs) And I am loving the interior of the TARDIS. There's no doubt about it to me that it was never finished when we saw it earlier with the end of Matt Smith era. Yeah. Yeah, that, that first, you mentioned in The Snowman, that first glimpse that we saw, that we only saw part of it, and the rest of it looked as if it was CGI. Absolutely. Still under construction. Yeah, yes. I, I love this console, this console room. Yeah. Love the design. Great work, Michael Pickwode. Ah. The set designer. We've got that. We've had that a lot. This series, uh, Clara asking the doctor, "Have you seen you?" And thing. And we've had do the, you thing? I've got yeah. a thing coming up. Finger clicking to open and close the TARDIS doors. Yeah, right from the tenth Doctor in Silence in the Library, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Doctor is still going on about straight into her bedroom. Now it's really good how that works. While in East London. Oh, and cut to the school. Oh, very nonchalant. Yes, very nonchalant. Nobody notices. Nothing going on there. (laughs) And that's the girl we first saw uh, Clara uh, using as a reference point. from actually the first episode, wasn't it? Yeah, with the deep uh, breath. Yeah. Is when she was holding her breath and she was remembering back to one of her students calling her out on one of her threats. I just noticed this time all the uh, all the flags, Canada and so on. How many of those flags can you name? I wonder if they're all the countries that first aired Dot Two in the cinema, you know, live. <laughs> nine, was it nine countries? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, give them a give them a nod. Here you go. <laughs> Typical staff room meeting, this, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Oh, there's the poster with the word silence on it. New Uh, caretaker. uh, uh. John Smith, and now for a joke that only I will get. What if instead of a broom, he had a mop and he said his name was Dwight McClenahan, Master of Custodial Arts? Maybe someone will get that joke. Uh, if he still had a brush and called himself Trig. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. Um, I am enjoying these things. I know, I know some people would say it's a little bit too literal having the clock, but they're, they are so uh, smooth and precise. They look absolutely outstanding on high definition. Mm, agreed. I love the title sequence here. It's one of the best for the... New series is definitely better than the storm clouds that we had. And no opening doors. Yeah, that too. Coal Hill Secondary School. Yeah, of course, first aired this on the 27th of September. As I said already, Series 8, Episode 6. And uh, 
we haven't got the final figures for this but we've got a few figures let me just get these out of the way while we settle in uh, the overnight viewing figures were slightly under 5 million but still confident that those will uh, gain with the other additional things but uh, one thing is the AI rating is now out 83 anything over 80 is considered uh, excellent indeed and uh, I think 83 is probably about right uh, I'm not too sure the highest rating ever the Doctor Who probably about 85 or 6 I think hasn't it been in the 90s before was it it's we been have... in the, I know that it's during the tenant era it was in the in the 90s several times good Flying disguise that three lives yeah good disguise isn't it just a, a brown cow <laughs> <laughs> and carrying a broom around go to go worship something <laughs> I was trying to read the title of that book then <laughs> A sinister puddle. So, of course, this episode was written by Gareth Roberts, who has written for Doctor Who before. And as I was mentioning on our show, his three Moffat-era stories, Lodger, Closing Time, and Caretaker, all share a similar story structure of the Doctor going under... And I hear sirens in the background. Maybe they're, <laughs> they're after me. <laughs> But uh, they all have the same structure of the Doctor going underground, undercover, as posing as a normal human, taking a normal job, while subverting an alien threat. They'll just never not... find me. I'm just noticing that necklace that she's wearing. It's uh, It looks a little bit like something from a, a missing Doctor, fourth Doctor episode that came flying out of the sky. A little triangular-shaped object. A little Easter egg for people, that. <laughs> Definitely. Now, this actor, um, maybe you'll regale with regalers with who it is, but I thought it was a bit robotic. I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but I was thinking when, when I first saw him, I thought, is this actually a robot? He, he looked a little bit as though he might be the alien. Mm. Of course, this is... Um... This is the actor playing this character. Uh, CSO Matthew is the character. He's played by Andy Gillies, is is the actor's name. Uh, he's appeared in Urban Gothic as Edward Mellor. In 2005, he appeared in Love Soup. In 2013, had a role in The Tunnel and appeared on, as Cakey in Jamaica Inn, which I think was a BBC... Was that on BBC One? Jamaica Inn? I think well, uh... that was a... That was a Daphne de Maurier story, I think. I'm not too sure that it was BBC or not. Or was it some other? It was a UK. It might have been ITV, yeah. It was a UK channel. But uh, besides Doctor Who, he has forthcoming appearances in Balance, Dirty Money, and Bill. So that's oh. Andy Gillies, who's being gunned down. Ah, there we are. Hand of Omega. Or is it? No, no, it's not. It's uh, something else. It'd be interesting if it were the Hand of Omega. <laughs> Another Cole Hill connection. But yeah, the Hand of Omega. Sorry, the Hand of fear. Eldred Must Live is the story. Hand of Fear. The last story with uh, Sarah Jane Smith is a regular companion. I love this scene in, in as much as she's very prioritorial. You know, she is a teacher. This is her classroom. Mm -hmm. You know, this is her domain. The doctor shouldn't intrude. Shouldn't correct her. 
Education. Doctor Who is an educational program. Educational remit. Of course, the Doctor has probably met her. <laughs> knows exactly what was going on. Hmm? Not quite sure she'd wear a lipstick quite so... Uh, uh, in the classroom, it was a little bit like uh, nighttime lipstick. <laughs> oh my! Now I think Darth was saying on our show that um, they've changed the tie for Cole Hill School. I can't remember what the original one looked like, but um, it was disappointed that they hadn't stuck with the original Cole Hill School tie. It would have been an easy thing to do to have that. To recreate that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my comment uh, about that was that, you know, these football teams t change the strip every other year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, schools do have redesigns, but... Uh... Oh? Never volunteer. Never volunteer. <laughs> so, Dave, is that British flag hanging in the, in the correct orientation? Oh, I didn't see. No, it didn't look as though it was, because... Um, Oh, mind you, we were seeing the back of it, weren't we, there, with yeah, the uh, yeah. yellow... To... Depends on which side the pole was. If the pole was on the right, it was okay. Oh. Now, I think this scene was contrived in some sense. We, we have the two boys together here, which allows the Doctor to make the, um, the assumption... That it might not be uh, Danny, but uh, yeah. our our uh... huh? I remember the, the leak. The week leading up to this episode, some people were BBC re released some publicity images of this, and some people were saying uh, the actor who we just saw there doesn't he look like the love child of David Tennant and Matt Smith? <laughs> he looks sort of like a cross between them. I'm just wondering where are they? Were the Danny's ties more like the old Coal Hill School tie there? Hmm. Uh, he's got his star spangled uh, jumper on again. The yes, doctor. which we last saw in Listen. I remember we were, Ian and I were trying to decide is it a star design or are there holes in the shirt? Couldn't quite decide. I, th I still think these two are very comfortable together. I never really thought of Clara and Matt Smith as as gelling out. Uh, maybe because I always thought I had this prejudice that Clara was out of his league. Uh, but of course, I mean, the Doctor's an alien and, and hundreds of years older. So it's not really an issue. But um, I definitely wondered why Clara was interested in uh, travelling with the, the Matt Smith Doctor. Yeah. Where here, she's already, she's already signed up uh, oh yes! Oh, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and we don't often see him smile, do we? Is, is this about the first time we've seen? Yeah, it's not often on on Doctor Who that we've seen Capaldi smile. Now I'm looking for some information on this actor who plays uh, Adrian Edward Harrison. Is the actor's name? I, I'm finding nothing on IMDb, and let's see, um, there are no acting roles that the, the Doctor Who News Guide has. 
uh, actor from Cambridgeshire, 10 years experience across a range of theatre, including major UK international tours and London's West End, and with directors including Michael Grandage, Peter Hall, Lucy Pittman-Wallace, and Laurie Sansom, but no other acting credits besides this episode. You could almost imagine them of picking a Doctor Who fan, you know, one of these uh, cosplay blowers, mm. couldn't you? Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, and of course, all the people that used to cosplay as the Eleventh uh, uh, Doctor have now got a second opportunity. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, I guess the one of the set designers, Pick Woad or someone, heard the idea. Seventh Doctor was always playing a larger-than-life chess game, and just and threw this in as a set piece. Yeah, it's a strange place to put it right in front of an entry, uh, yeah. a door. As soon as I saw this, I was wondering, how how often do schools have that sort of thing? Now, was it you that commented on this red door? No, I think it was Jeff. Ah. That could be wrong. But yeah, the, uh, the, the red doors there, mimicking the TARDIS doors. Yeah, excellent. He seems to be able to control it and, and land it in very confined spaces here. Yeah. Which we, we've seen David Tennant do that too, the, t- the 10th Doctor. Um, very early in series three, I think it was the uh, Lazarus experiment. He landed the TARDIS right inside uh, uh, the, the flat where Martha lived. It was right there in the in the main room. <laughs> Go away, humans. Which is good, that, because it actually shows that this girl is quite bright. She might be disruptive, yeah. but, I mean, she didn't... She, she clocked... Do you want to tell us a little bit about her? This actor is uh, playing Courtney Woods. We have Ellis George playing the role here. And uh, she she's studying drama at the young and talented school of stage and screen and appeared in Tropical Sun Foods' first adverts produced in late 2013. I think Ian mentioned her uh, early on in the series, either episode one or two, when we had a brief glimpse of this character. But that's all the information that I have. Ellis George. And I should say, we're already, you won't believe this, Matt, we're already 15 minutes and 34 seconds in. Wow. A 45-minute episode. I mean, the times have varied. In fact, one of the things is that um, the actual broadcast times have changed quite a bit this season. Yeah, this this episode aired at 8.30pm British time on BBC One, and I think this is the latest an episode of Doctor Who has started in the modern BBC Walls era. Right. Which uh, Doctor Who seems to be the series eight episodes seem to falling in, be falling into some some, some sort of set schedule for air times because the next two episodes are also starting at eight thirty p.m. British time Saturday night. Right, uh, and we have two acting uh, sorry writing credits here uh, as well as Gareth Roberts. We presume the main writer Stephen mm-hmm. Moffat uh, has his name on this. His his fingerprints are all over the story right. in many ways, but. Um, I must admit, as we'll f- find out in a moment, um, uh, this this writer has written, as well as Doctor Who, he's written for a lot of Sarah Jane adventures. Mm-hmm. And um, that may, for me, have, have been a little bit of a, a compromise. But there we go. And he also wrote a lot for Artron Energy. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Besides that, of course, he's Gareth Roberts is the writer for the co-writer of this episode he's written a lot for doctor who comics and in doctor who magazine as well so he wrote the original comic on which the the, the lodger was based that was a comic story featuring the 10th doctor and mickey smith if you'll if if you'll believe right 
And you mentioned uh, Jeff, the Seventh Doctor, making a comment about the doors. It was also him on the Cultum uh, Live show that mentioned that um, it was the Seventh Doctor in the remembrance of the Doctor that actually... Daleks. That, uh, sorry, members of the Daleks. That Thank you, I'll need your help. Um, it had been expected that he'd gone for the job of the caretaker. And oh, now he's got it. It is neat that they... Whether they were conscious of that or not, it's a neat tie-in. No, we're here for something entirely different, is the reply. <laughs> Timey-wimey. There was a Moffat line. But let's just have a quick glimpse at what else Gareth Roberts has written. Of course, we've looked at this before, but he's written at, at, since our last episode of Doctor Who, uh, Closing Time, he's written episodes of Wizards vs. Aliens, which is Russell T. Davies' series, new series. All right. Catching up with Gareth Roberts. I'm not too sure whether that's uh, still, you know, uh, whether that's come to an end or not yet. What? Uh, the Wizards v. Aliens. Oh, I, uh, I don't two, know. Two series, 26 episodes. I'm not sure whether it's returning to our screens or not. Hmm. And now they're both speaking of different people. Ah. There are. You mentioned this episode has a lot of fingerprints from Stephen Moffat on it throughout this episode. Not only just Moffat's writing style here on Doctor Who, but back in the what was it the nineties that he Moffat wrote a TV series called Coupling. Yes, indeed. And that was, that was a Stephen Moffat series, and it was a romantic comedy, and. There are many elements in this that feel right straight out of coupling. Right. Uh, having said that, I mean, I think this is quite, I mean, whether whether people like the story or not, I think this is quite a pivotal story in terms of moving the thing on because uh, I think some criticism of people, whether they've liked or enjoyed individual episodes or the whole series or none of the series, uh, have been concerned somewhat that the Twelfth Doctor's not got established fully. Now, you can't argue, well, he's not being established here because it's more about this relationship. But you could argue we're getting this out of a way in a slightly more satisfactory way than was done with Amy and Rory, where, you know, they went through, you know, being a happy couple to being almost divorced to what have you, uh, a lot happening off screen. And you actually almost had to watch the little... Um, the little um, mini episodes to to know what was really happening at least addressing this rather well we assume what six weeks or so has gone on here this is a silly place to put the chessboard right outside the door just right in the walking path <laughs> yeah oh now what's this music did you was it you that said this was a bit sherlocky the music no here? that was also i think that was also jeff that mentioned that it was well done jeff felt, but it's a different composer than than from uh sherlock of course murray gold here he doesn't murray gold doesn't work on uh sherlock it's got that it's got that sort of little tiptoey music hasn't it you know yeah the, the plot is afoot uh-huh. and of course from what i remember you're not really a fan of that watch <laughs> no um I, not because of it serves its purpose in this as we'll find but uh, I, i'm worried it might become an issue if it's used again i mean uh we've already known that the uh 
you know, the sonic screwdriver can be overly used and be a bit magical. Well, if the Doctor can go into situations invisible, I mean, we're into Harry Potter territory, aren't we? You know. Yeah. So, okay, the, all of these other devices that the Doctor has hidden, I, I can I can deal with those being still there, no one Specific, having noticed them. Yeah, yeah. But wouldn't wouldn't some kid have noticed the uh, detect the device that the Doctor put on the fire alarm? It's right there at or below eye level for a standard student. Well, I suppose that was so that Danny would have made the first one. Right. Uh, now, this this took me straight into Sarah Jane Adventures seeing this mm. face yeah. and it's there's been parallels uh, drawn on what this creature might be um, I, I, I'm I, because of the uh, Gardas Robic connection I, I must admit I've got this feeling that this might have been um, something that was designed for Sarah Jane and never got used or never got built so, I mean Sobland solution destroy. That's very uh, unfortunately. I know this is a family program. I know it's a children's program in some ways, but that it seems to me to be. Oh. Okay, so he does. Danny does throw a chair into that mm. portal, whatever. Because later on, when the robot, when Scovox returns, we see the chair thrown out first. Yeah, not a fez, but a chair. Yeah. <laughs> So playing Scovox Blitz, I don't know if he's in the costume or just providing the voice. We have Jimmy V, who is oh yeah, a... he's sitting in it. Yeah, he's yeah. inside. Yeah, he's uh, operating the machine. He's a uh, he's we've seen him on Doctor Who lots of times before. Uh, Voyage of the Damned, one of your favorite characters. He played Benacafalata in Aliens of London. He played well the alien and in. End of the world. The very the second episode for Doctor Who Modern Era. He played Mox of Balhoun, and he's made many appearances in Sarah Jane Adventures as the Grosk the as the as Grosk the Grask. That's very easy for you to say. <laughs> Slivine, uh, Nathan Slivine, <laughs> so on and so forth. Yeah, Ratsacorophotorius. Yeah, that one as well. Ratsacorophotorius. Ah. Oh. And it's and it's nearby planet Clom. Clom. Uh, that's more my one. I'll take Clum. <laughs> Some no one else will. <coughs> oh, that's a bit Terminator circle. You ever seen the Terminator when he lands? Oh, yeah, yeah. circle here. <laughs> right. Danny has ruined the Doctor's plan. Now again, I mean, we're, we're, this is a heck of a rate here. We're at twenty-four and a half minutes. Mm. I can't believe that. We're over just a bit over halfway through the episode already. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. In terms of the overall story structure for the series, this is an episode that was inevitable. The episode where Danny meets the Doctor. Just where that meeting would happen, how that meeting would happen. Well, we never really knew, and now we do. Rehearsing a play. Oh yeah, very convincing. The special effects with the robot. 
Now, he just genuinely seemed shocked and surprised at this point. But later on, when we see his reaction to the TARDIS, uh, I was unconvinced. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could have delivered that with a better, more, a better pause. Dad. <laughs> Being kind. <laughs> well, I just should say that for Ian's benefit, at least, I'm drinking uh, Naked Wines, uh, F. Stephen Millier. Angel Reserves Zinfandel 2012, and I'll keep it brief. You see, I'm not drinking anything here, so I forgot to ask. <laughs> well, it's in my contract to mention the wine. <laughs> oh, huh. Now, this is that's a really big revelation that doesn't get referenced again. I can't believe it. Direct reference to time with the doctor, very beginning of the episode, oh. when when the uh, Clara calls the doctor in the TARDIS at the start of the episode, and she asks the doctor to be her pretend her pretend boyfriend, and uh, the doctor even says it's a roller coaster of a call. Oh. Not half human. He's an alien. Half human on his mother's side. Well, tell us what that stands for. <laughs> because I'm sure Moffat will eventually say that you came up with that definition. Uh, let's examine his reaction a bit more closely. Smaller on the outside. <laughs> I think that's the standard response. Now, Ian's kids will tell you you're supposed to walk oh, around right, it. Backwards. No, you're supposed to walk around it. <laughs> walk around, make sure that it's not. Because even at the very beginning, beginning of the series, an unearthly child, even Ian and Barbara did that. The series has had a number of parallels with the very beginning of the show. We have, oh. we have two teachers from Cole Hill School that are maybe both traveling with the Doctor at some point, and one of them already is. We have a reference to a, a certain particular student who's causing it, who's not, Disru who doesn't, yeah. disruptive and doesn't don't seem normal. It, don't fit in, yeah. yeah. I would make comment about the doctor not recognizing Cole Hill School, but after the thousands of years it's been since then, I wouldn't be surprised if the doctor doesn't recognize the name. Well, the, the answer's obvious. He's never, he was never actually at... The only time in the series we've seen the doctor at Cole Hill was Remembrance of the Daleks. Well, I was going to say they've redecorated. Yeah. There you go. He doesn't like it. <laughs> So, yep, awkward silence. Trying 
trying to piece together everything, trying to deal with everything. Not jumpers, Ian. Those are collots, by the way. Just for his reference. <laughs> I don't know why there are crickets in London at night. They're travelling. Ah, right. That's a good question. Why? Which makes him similar, very similar to Mickey at this point, doesn't it? And, and unfortunately, that's compounded by the fact that this actor, although very good, Speaks in the very same uh, diet. Not that was the his speech pattern is very similar, right? Which uh, throws me back a little bit. Yeah. But of course, earlier you were meant, you were comparing the evolution of this relationship to the evolution of the of Amy and Rory's relationship, and this has been a more organic. Uh, uh, relationship in terms of how we've seen it evolve we've seen them we've seen it in chronological time instead of out of order and just a lot left off screen we've seen all the important moments on screen right but it but in but in um, amy and rory uh amy's uh, as we find out later it's her wedding night when she goes off with the doctor right and she's almost running away from the wedding she's, got, um, wedding she's almost got cold feet uh, Rory is absolutely you know fully and totally committed and in love she may be not be so sure where this in this story uh, with this companion she has all these adventures with the doctor they came first now she wants a little bit of normality in her life she wants to be grounded she's you know level headed oh here we go it's a neat idea for a companion to have a companion trying to balance traveling with the doctor with leading a normal life here on earth it's it's a neat idea right and there uh, darth was mentioning how he, he liked this bit right here where the doctor is actually doing stuff constructing stuff working on stuff and the tardis which yes. it, it, it's it's neat to see the doctor working on stuff in the tardis yeah the the I agree with that. The only you could argue it's a bit of a shortcut, though, because I mean, if the TARDIS can have infinite rooms, mm. you think you'd have the correct room for the right. I mean, if you've got a swimming pool for a swimming pool, it's got a library for a library. You think you'd have a workshop for a workshop. And also, was it in Journey to the Center of the TARDIS where we saw so much of the TARDIS interior? We saw there was that that tree or that tree-like device that grew, more or less grew machines. Yeah, that was underneath the console room, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Oh, it does look nice. It is. It's a. It's one of the best t uh, console room designs. Mm -hmm. I can't make my mind up whether it's larger or smaller than the uh, the coral one, but it looks more interesting. I don't know if the if just uh, the diameter of the room is i think it's technically smaller this just has levels to it which that didn't have the coral room was just one flat ex expanse just one right. flat stage now danny has got a different tile now so presumably mm. the other tile was just a, a tie he had not a, a significant one right 
yes. There you are. Come on, Baines. <laughs> now, it is a bit odd, the doctor's, this doctor's reaction to soldiers comparing with previous incarnations, even as far back as partway. Comparing his reaction here to how he got along with soldiers in unit. Yeah, he doesn't like the soldier mentality of shooting first. Right. But individual soldiers, he, he can, yeah. Yeah. Even the Tenth Doctor had some adventures with the unit, and some he got along with, some he didn't. But of course, he's harking back here, Danny, in terms of the, the Doctor, uh, as we've said before, um, you know, the Doctor's fire and ice. Um, mm. We we had, uh, was it in the, po the, the Poison Sky one, where they, they say that, you know, people around the Doctor get hurt. They're the ones that go into battle on his behalf. Yeah, there have been a lot of references in Modern Who to the doctor turning people into soldiers of course that was right. very that, that was that was what davros told the doctor in stolen earth journey's end latter but, episode journey's end but of course this doctor we know now is over 2000 years old yeah he was uh, nowhere near that age 1200 years when he went to the christmas planet so he's he's had yeah all of that time of that constant battle mentality that he had on trinzalor Name. <laughs> May have a vacancy. It, of course, as I was mentioning, we do have that echo of Ian, Barbara, the Doctor, and Susan with this group of characters with uh, Clara, Danny, the Doctor, and Courtney. <laughs> I've got fond memories of things like that, nights like that. Come on, where's the chair? Where's my chair? I need to sit down. Oh, thank you. See, there goes the chair. Denny threw the chair in first, and it's the first, th first in, first out. FIFO. Oh, that's a good computer phrase. Not heard that for a long time. <laughs> oh, now. Some people were getting a Ghostbusters vibe when they saw this uh, piece of equipment, um, but I like the uh, the is it Emmett from is it Back from the Future? That, Emmett Brown. That wasn't Emmett Brown, yeah. And of course, we have Courtney's parents here, played by Winston Ellis and Ellis George. No, so that, so that we have Winston Ellis plays the father, and I'm trying, and Gracie G. Goldman plays Courtney's mum. Let's see, Winston Ellis. What all, what all he's has he done here? Uh, bring up his info. He's appeared in hundreds. Well, coming up, Hundred Streets, Beverly Breaking Down. You're going to say something. Yeah, I, I love the fact that uh, Clara turns around to the parents and say, but uh, but handwriting could be better. The teacher you know, wouldn't let her leave without... Without <laughs> hearing some sort of 
So it's well, very the teaching aspect is very well um, mm. observed. I wonder if Gareth Roberts. I wonder if he was a teacher before he started writing because Don't know. Uh, he's got um, he's definitely got that spot on. Yeah. Just uh, Winston Ellis, who played Courtney's father, he's appeared in cast. He appeared in The Dark Knight as Gamble's bodyguard. Appeared in an episode of The The, the Bill. Appeared in two Pirates of the Caribbean movies, At World's End and Dead Man's Chest. Episode of Holby City, episode of Chucklevision, Big Bad World, Too Much Sun. But guess what show he's also appeared in an episode of? Casualty! Uh, two uh, episodes! Uh, uh, Ian's cheering in the background. Casualty! Finally got one. <laughs> and playing Gracie... And playing uh, Mrs. Woods, Gracie G. Goldman. Let's look over what she's done. Let's have some notes about her. She's appeared in uh, episodes of The Detectives, Doctors, The Bill, Soldier, Soldier, Crown Prosecutor, The Plant, Between the Lines. But she's also appeared in an episode of Casualty. Not, <laughs> not, not, not the same episode as Winston played in, but an episode nonetheless. I think one of the reasons why this creature fails is the best part of it is its legs and its movement. Mm. But they couldn't support, apparently, if you watch the extra, they couldn't support the weight of it, so they're not actually touching the ground. So they haven't been able to actually feature those. And they're actually uh, where the face is a bit, I don't know, a bit cat-like. I'm not too sure what it is. Here we are. This is the, the Emmett moment here. It's even got cat size there, hasn't it? Sort of. Actually, a little more like sheep coat. Oh, the ooze has gone red. Uh-huh. And? And... Well, well then, how about that? He shoes up to HP. And of course, we've got them working as a team here. Yeah. Which was one of the comments. Right. And we're just coming up almost at the 40 minute mark. I can't believe the speed of this. Okay. See, that, that's why he oh. sounds just like Mickey. You know who I've completely forgotten to mention and who I should mention oh? because he's a, he, we, have, we had, there's a character in this episode named Seb. He's played by Chris Addison. He's appeared with, on screen with Peter Capaldi before. But let's go through some Chris Addison playing the role of Seb on this episode. He's been in episodes of Lab Rats, Apocalypse, 2012, Skins, the British series, I presume, uh, The Look of Love, Trying Again. But he's appeared on episodes of The Thick of It. Uh. Plays Oliver Reader. And the thick of it, alongside Peter Capaldi, and he was also in in the loop, the movie, uh, the movie, based on the series. 
So yeah, he's been he's appeared with uh, Peter Capaldi before. I like this bit right here. Yeah. The doctor trying to get her interested in astronomy, but then we have uh, some people have already taken this on as a as a as a favorite quote. There's uh, Venice think, spillage. Yeah, I think he might have got that wrong. Does he say a million? star systems and a hundred million planets. I think it should have been a billion stars and a hundred million inhabited planets. When has has astronomy been accurate on Doctor Who? I'm sure he says a million stars and a hundred million planets or something. I should have... Astronomical terms were were famously gotten wrong consistently in the early years of Doctor Who. William Hartnell kept get, kept getting terms mixed up. <laughs> well, I don't know. I was on the Talking Twilight Zone just recently, and uh, in that episode, The Long Morrow, uh, the uh, the thing about stars and uh, solar systems and nebula were all mixed up. Speed of light, a lot. So we have progressed. Yeah. Now, we assume this is Danny's place. Looking very comfortable together. You can always tell, and this is obviously their acting, a good couple when they can sort of just sit quietly together in a room. You know, they don't have to be out drinking, partying, pizza eating, just sitting, talking. You see here, I I would have thought he'd at least referenced So You Love Me. You know, she's at... Blurted it out in the open. Mm. Most guys would have latched onto that. Unless they didn't love the person, then they'd try and ignore it. Try to see what his book is there now. Can't. Oh, hey, I remember this character. I remember CSO Matthew. Yeah. Which is strange in a way because this or, is the, yeah this is Seb here's the, the, that's Chris Addison who we've seen on Thick of It and In the Loop. Right there we go. Uh, but this this policeman has not interacted with the Doctor at all, has he? So yeah. if if our theories of um, you know a collection of uh, Doctor Who people who've suffered because of the Doctor, he has only tangentially, or whatever the word is. Very tangentially, because at that point the doctor was hadn't done anything with Scovox. Just on, he just arrived to to foil the plot, as it were. Nethersphere. The BBC wow. have announced the casting back before series eight started, a week or two before they announced the casting for this Missy character, and they named her as the the guardian of the Nethersphere, the keeper of the Nethersphere. Right. So we have, this is the first time we've had that term mentioned in this story arc. When they looked out the window here, I thought they might show us what was there. Next time. I was assuming it would be that garden that we saw before. Mm. Now, we see a young person in the background in a minute. I'm not there. Is that the young girl? Yes. Ah, right. I still find it interesting that they use the I Am The Doctor theme during the Next Time trailers. They've done that the entire series. Wow, but there quite we go. short. Yeah, unbelievable. Doctor Who? The Caretaker. 
Which, uh, one more note on a certain show we keep referencing. For those who watch Doctor Who live on Saturday evenings on BBC One, what show has been following Doctor Who every night this season? Casualty. <laughs> it airs right after. Okay. Well, there we are. That was as quick as a flash, not a slow moment. Whether you liked it or not, it certainly had pace in my mind. Now, hopefully we're going to hear from Ian phoning in his report from his sickbed. But, uh, Mike, do you want to go first? Ian's calling in from sickbay. Hmm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are. We're halfway through Peter Capaldi's first series of Doctor Who. Uh, and this episode just... Moved on quickly, had a very quick pace to it. The writing was tight the entire way through. There were no dull moments in the episode. There were some parts of the episode that felt tacked on or extraneous. But Sunday on Cultum, my thoughts were scattered and all over the place. And I've had a bit more time to organize my thoughts. So let's go through this in a more orderly fashion. So here we are, six episodes in. And... Personally, I, I don't think the doctor, I think that Capaldi's doctor has had enough, has had enough of a chance to cl have his personality clearly defined. I know on, on a previous episode or two, Ian and Ian or you, Dave, mentioned, wondered, uh, is the doctor still cooking? Is the doc is the regeneration still settling in? Because it doesn't feel like we have a clear definition of who this version of the doctor is, what his personality is this time. Is he a darker doctor? We don't really know. It's not really been, we've not really had that defining moment. We had that defining moment with Matt Smith at the end of uh, the 11th hour when he stepped through the, the hologram of the previous doctors and had his line, I'm the doctor, basically run. We, we knew who he was by, by, by then. Even David Tennant at the end of uh, Christmas Invasion when he, when he woke up because of the tea and stepped out of the TARDIS and his, and his, and his gym gems and, uh, and was, and had all of those lines about, who is he? I'm still not Ginger, and all of that, and the the, the, the fighting hand. We knew who, what we were in for there. Even Chris Eccleston at the end of Rose, by the end of that episode, we knew what we were in for with that doctor. Eccleston? That's right, Capaldi? Six episodes in, and I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't know what we're in for. I don't know how this doctor would react in different different situations. I really don't. I don't know what to expect which is kind of troubling halfway through the first series. Okay, so this episode, it was basically dealing with the relationship of uh, Clara and Denny and whether or not the Doctor would approve, how the Doctor would react to meeting Denny. And if you like coupling, if you like if you like stuff like that, then go watch Coupling. It felt like an episode of Coupling, and that, sh that was a great show. That was a good show for the first three seasons. I'd, I'd recommend going and, going and watching it, but it... I personally don't feel that that's Doctor Who. That's and again, what is Doctor Who? That's the thing that we that that's the question for any show wonder. How they how do they define the show? How do they define the premise of the show? Moffat clearly wants it to be a romantic situation, whether it's a comedy or a drama. He wants romantic elements in, and those have been in Doctor Who since we be, since we began since we've had the show back with Rose. Rose and the Doctor. We had that relationship. We had Martha and how that played out. We had, and then we had Donna, who didn't want to be a, didn't want to be the Doctor's mate. I'm not mating with you, Sunshine. We had that line, and Amy and Rory already had a relationship. Even though we had moments where, is Amy going to choose the Doctor or 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 Rory? And 
it's been more ingrained into the show in the Moffat era. It's more up. It's it's bef- the relationship elements are take precedence over the adventures, especially now with Clara and Danny. And I don't really like that. I wish the show would be more about just adventures in time and space. The Doctor ending up on that on some space station or on some planet or something and dealing and dealing with the this this alien threat of the week. That's what I would like Doctor Who to be. This relationship stuff, it's just too upfront at this point where it's overpowering the stories. And I just wish that would back off for a bit. Denny, I it's I don't really see Mickey was a more well-defined character. It's it's interesting that you mentioned Mickey earlier on in this episode during our commentary. More well-defined character. Danny, not really so. I don't really feel a connection with that character. I mean, he had a great he had a good moment when he was in the TARDIS there and he was when he was approaching the doctor, the whole time lord, sir, yes, sir. That line was good, but it just I don't really feel it with that character. It just it's just, that was just there without any real character development to lead up to it. Uh, and, of course, we had the Scovox Blitzer killer robot that just felt tacked on, just felt like the Doctor's reason for being there, going on in the background, and it, it didn't really... was. And again, we've had Darth's whole comments about, that doesn't really matter, uh, the, the aliens being weak and ineffectual. That's Doctor Who. That Doctor Who has a history of that. Well, I would have liked to have been that to have been more of the story relationship in the background with the adventure taking more of a precedence. I like Peter Capaldi's portrayal as a doctor. He's a great actor. I love that actor. I just I just wish he had more material to work with. The material isn't up to his standard. The scripts haven't been up to his standard. He can do he has the potential to be one of the greatest doctors. The scripts just aren't giving him that chance. And this is another episode where he was more, he was, he was a, he was a secondary character. And that's what we've had going through this series. Dr. Companion, which is the main character. Should the companion be the main character? Moffat obviously, and has said in interviews that yes, obviously the companion is the main character. That's the right way to, to write Dr. Who. Should that be, should the doctor be the main character of Dr. Who? I don't know. I, 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 that's that's a tough question to answer, and that's up to each showrunner, uh, which takes precedence here. And again, that's the question here: is which takes precedence, the Doctor or the Companion, or the the relationship, or the adventures? I don't like this direction, and that's where we're going with the series. That's about all that I have. It just Peter Capaldi has the potential to be one of the great Doctors. This these scripts is at the series. Deep breath into the Dalek. Uh, Robert of Sherwood, uh, listen, time heist, and here we are with this. Capone, I'm hoping there's more to cut, better scripts in the rest of the, in the last half of the series to give Capaldi those moments that he deserves to be the one of the greatest versions of the Doctor. Fingers crossed that the best is yet to come. Okay, thanks, Mike. Well, um, I think you've got valid points there. I mean, uh, I, I I rated this very highly. I rate it a good four and a half out of five, uh, and I, I I docked it that half because of this ineffectual alien, for want of a better word. I do, I do feel as though this is a bit of a recycled alien. Uh, the story meant that the alien wasn't that important. You could have interchanged anything. In fact, you didn't really want one that was too 
powerful because the amount of time it's in the story is what 10 minutes at the most um so whether that this was a one that was already conceived design drawn up or whatever i don't know unfortunately uh the best part of it wasn't uh shown you know the the, the, the sort of frightening movements of the legs the way it ended up being so that detracted it from it somewhat but um yeah i i will agree that we haven't got a definition yet of what this doctor is but the question was posed am i a good nan uh, he's still debating that but i do think this is the turnaround episode you said you wanted to see them you know more uh, in an alien environment uh, you know facing a monster well we saw the next time trailer that may well be uh, what you're looking for that may be it we may have all the actors all the pieces of the chessboard in place uh, we we may well be in a situation where we have the doctor with two members of the Coal Hill school maybe uh, the, the uh, one of the children from the school maybe we're all the way back to an unearthly child remember we went all the way back to um, uh, when we had that first episode with uh, Clara leaving the school and it being 16 minutes past five uh, on the clock that she drove past and all, all the connections with, you know, uh, early, we, uh, you know, with the, the the start of it. We we had references here to the, not, it wasn't the 25th anniversary one, that was, of course, Silver Nemesis, but a lot of people think the revelation of the Daleks was remembrance. remembrance of the Daleks. I always get them mixed up. Remembrance of the Daleks um, was, you know, really should have been the correct one here. Uh, all this art on energy and so on. But, um, yeah, I do think that the... I mean, I haven't particularly liked the episodes that have been the romps. I didn't particularly like the robot of Sh uh, Sherwood. So I think those romps haven't helped this Doctor establish himself. Um because um, he has had to deal with those sort of scripts and that haven't given him a chance to show his gravitas. But what I think they're doing is that, um, remember, this is the first of a new set of regenerations in a way. We're, we're not just um, resetting uh, a new personality of the same Doctor. Remember, all the different Doctors are different aspects of the same man. Here, there's a bit more of a, a real shift. Maybe this is as, um, something you could uh, equate to what they tried to do uh, with the Sixth Doctor. And we know that that wasn't very well accepted. Now, in that particular case, uh, it's well established and, and Colin Baker's talked about it an awful lot. You know, they were cut. They were, the, the, you know, the line was cut from beneath them before he could establish the fact that this this rather aggressive um, posture he had towards uh, the Nicola Bryant uh, character uh, never got a chance to sort of uh, get played out um, and that he was in it for the long game. Now, I think we speculated already, you know, is Peter Capaldi going to be a one-year doctor or a three-year doctor? I hope from all that's happened in the past uh, that he was signed up uh, for three years. I think some of this that's happening with uh, Danny and Clara is is giving us a, a bit of an escape clause should should it be and come to fruition that this particular uh, companion does leave within this series at the end of the series or early on in the next series but um and we've only just 
I think, I don't think it's a spoiler, I think you, Mike, were the one that said that um, we're fairly sure that Stephen Moffat is still staying on board as the showrunner. Yeah, there's, a... no, there's no chance that Moffat won't be. Filming for Series 9 of Doctor Who starts in January, and there's no time, there's not enough time for a new showrunner to be announced and have that showrunner have scripts and stories and other writers ready to go and for filming in January. We, they haven't had time to do the read-through, the, the table reads. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Now, you're taking that as a negative. What I, what I was saying, whether you like it or not, is that that plays to what I'm saying, that um, we're into a long disclosure here of this Doctor, that there is a longer-term view. So we haven't so much got a story arc, I think, with this Doctor, we've more got a Doctor arc that's taking maybe for some people a little bit slowly unfolding. And as I say, um, you could argue the way these different episodes have have, have been put together. Uh, this is my second favourite, I think. Uh, I think Listen has been my favourite. That's the one I gave five. five. Uh, I think this has been my second favourite. I am absolutely... Uh, this is about the third... Well, virtually, with all the clips that I've done, about the fourth time I've watched this, uh, and I, I couldn't believe how quickly we got through that. It barely felt as though this was a 20, 25 minute episode. I really um, felt as though everything flowed. Um, and the only sour note for me was that alien. Uh, in one sense, I was a little bit disappointed, although I know that's where they're going with this sort of, um, you know, the setup of the two teachers and maybe the child from the school. Uh, I, I thought when we had this girl taken into space to see this, this robot uh, dumped, as it were, the fact that she was sick, I was going to say, oh, well, that, that gives the doctor a reason not to take her anywhere else. She's had a one trip in the TARDIS. That's her little reward. And, and we can leave her alone. Um, but uh, I don't want to sort of second guess what's happening uh, next time. Let me move on a little bit to the, the sort of um, the end scene where we have um, the policeman uh, waking, quote unquote, waking up in this thing. Um, I almost thought I could have seen Morgan Freeman in that uh, room down the end, but um, uh, that's me thinking of Bruce Almighty. But um, I, I'm not sure. The only thing I can think of, and I, I thought it was an Eternal, and again, I haven't read anything. I, uh, while we, the Colton Collective, are going through these series, because we don't want to sort of replicate what other people think, uh, and it's very difficult to read what other people think without wondering whether that was your thought or their thought. So I've steered clear from those. Uh, I thought this was, uh, uh, Missy was going to be an Eternal. I am more thinking that she is going to be the Rani, She's created some sort of pocket universe, a bubble universe, round her TARDIS, which allowed her to escape, you know, the time lock and the time war and so on. Uh, but she has, uh, you know, uh, it's not exactly a bathhouse, but she's collecting uh, humans. She's collecting them, maybe those with a grudge against the Doctor. Uh, and that's where I think that's taking us. I could 
frankly do without it uh, I think there's an awful lot going on I am intrigued with this 12th Doctor he's intrigued with him because we, we're still again and uh, this has again been an issue with some people we're not sure how much this Clara knows about her splintered selves we're not too sure about how much the Doctor knows because this is a real jolt being this new start of a, a set of regenerations I mean the last Doctor uh, the Matt Smith Doctor had almost reconciled himself with the fact that he was coming not only to the end of his regeneration but to the end of his existence uh, here we are have a doctor that is an amalgam isn't he I mean in sometimes I look at him I think this is very third doctor uh, other times I think second doctor uh, and yet the background the 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 impetus for the storytelling seems to be leading us back towards the first doctor so I think this is an unfolding story, maybe unfolding too slowly for some people. Uh, I hope we're not going to have over-complicated story arcs, but I do think we are having revelations. Maybe the unearthly child that we're leading towards is not going to be the young school child at school. Uh, it's not going to be um, somebody of that nature who uh, was uh, born on another uh, planet and is in league with the Black Guardian. But we're going to have somebody, maybe Danny is the unearthly child. I mentioned before about um, the, the soldiers we saw uh, called Blue and he's called Pink. We know one of his um, descendants will become a time traveller. Um, is there going to be one of uh, Moffat's circular, circular logics here? Is Danny going to actually be his own descendant is he is is Danny in terms of from this time because although he seemed genuinely shocked that Clara was traveling with the doctor in time and space he wasn't that shocked about the technology that the doctor had in the TARDIS and the watch so he was shocked with Clara because he thought presumably he'd met an ordinary girl maybe he is not an ordinary teacher maybe he's the one with a, a hidden uh, sense but i've talked far too much uh, today it's probably because ian's not uh, jumping every two minutes but uh, talking of ian i'm not sure i can hear a phone ringing can you hear a phone ringing mike is it on the outside of the box there don't answer that phone whenever you answer that phone a thing happens uh, right are we going to start the commentary now right what's that worm doing on the table Oh, wait, what's going on? Anyway, I'm glad Ian could join us. Over to you, Ian. Hey, guys. Don't talk to me about memory worms. I don't know what kind of a worm I picked up, but, oh, dear. First of all, I didn't feel well. And uh, then I end up with three wives and a flying car. How am I going to explain a flying car to my wife? Anyway, um, I kind of remember what I was supposed to be doing tonight, and I was supposed to be here with you guys doing a commentary. So I figured I'd, I'd call in and, and uh, let you know what I thought of the episode. Uh, listen back to the show as well uh, to, to hear what everybody at the, at, uh, on the Cotton Collective uh, podcast uh, thought. Um, some interesting uh, insights. Uh, listen to Mike's as well. <clears throat> and so, yeah, here's, here's what I thought. I thought it was a, a decent episode. I've watched it twice now. Of course, I didn't get to do the third run through with you guys tonight. Uh, but uh, it's it got better on the second watching. Probably will get better on the third watch. And you kind of tend to ch change your mind on the, the whole 
a really rubbish monster. I mean, I understand what you what you're saying, Dave, and you feel let down by it. I feel let down by it because it's not very well realized. I don't think it become it it it. David uh, texted me that it was a, kind of like a Sarah Jane monster, and it was. It was very much. It seemed a bit kiddie, uh, even though it did blast a policeman into um, smoking embers. But you know, that's by the by. Um, somebody else. Uh, oh. Somebody had mentioned on the, on the collective that uh, there was music reminiscent of Sherlock, and I totally got that. It's uh, where the doctor is placing the little uh, the devices around the school and, and stuff. It, there's totally a, a Sherlock vibe that you get off the music, which is interesting, as somebody brought up as well, that they're not written by the same person. So it's it's yeah, just an inspiration, I guess. Uh, I, I do like Danny in this. Uh, surprisingly because we were given some backstory to him at the beginning and haven't really had anything since apart from the fact that he's really really rubbish on dates uh, you know he tends to whack his head into you know wooden objects mainly tables uh, on numerous occasions um, but I do like the way he dealt with the doctor it, it, it is this nice little kind of uh, here's somebody who's not in awe of the doctor, uh, somebody who's willing to say, you know, I don't really care. You know, I don't care if you're a time lord. Don't care if you travel through time and space. Uh, just you know, look after Clara. And I like how he realizes that the doctor, the doctor's main concern is that that he's good enough for her. Uh, nice little moments in there, especially with the doctor uh, thinking that Clara was going out with. Uh, basically a version of, of you know the Matt Smith doctor uh, quite cute really how he gets all kind of oh she really did love me the way I was back then uh, because I don't think he you know up until that point thinks that um, and but he probably looks back at it thinking well she definitely doesn't like me as this this old dude still love the the, the little snide remarks between the two of them you know, uh, oh, you've, you look good if you're washed up. Uh, and and the, the jokes, what are you talking about? We both look the same age. No, we don't. Uh, Clara having a dig about the, the whole magician look. That's a new one. I think I, I think we've only had other, one other reference, and that was in Time Heist, of the whole magician look. But, uh, yeah, all in all, uh, it's growing on me. I, I wasn't enamored with it at first, uh, but on second watch, it's it's gotten better, uh, but it still has its flaws. I'm still waiting for the series to really kind of um, get going. I thought we were getting going last week, and we kind of took a step back, I think, with this episode. But hopefully, from here on out, it'll be uh, game on. Uh, we'll get to see some some action. You know, we've finally got a uh, an appearance of of uh, the Nether Sphere. Uh, reference which you know uh, spoilers actually Dave spoiled it before or or or, or banned um, that we've had that, that Missy's title is mistress of the nether sphere uh, or some such um, I still don't know who she is I don't think she's the Rani it's always too easy to be the Rani um, but we'll see um, I'm happy enough to wait and see who it ends up being or who she ends up being or what she ends up being uh, so yeah, that's that's my review. I'm I'm gonna have to hang up now because there's 
two wives arguing over one car, um, flying or otherwise, I've got to get out there and uh, patch things up. So I'll talk to you all next week. Uh, until then, um, catch you later. Okay, and well, there you go. You've got three different uh, interpretations of this story. We're, uh, I think we're pretty much spread out there. You're not getting one, you know, we're not all yes men here. Uh, some thoughts, I think. Um, I don't know what you thought about either my opinion or Ian's, but um, I think there are some valid uh, points of Doctor Who. I hope you're going to stick with it, Mike. I, I think I, I, I felt a softening of your um, attitude towards this particular episode. Maybe it was the next time trailer that swayed you. See, the thing is, at the end of the day, this is still Doctor Who. It's one of my favorite shows, and... I'll stick stick with it because it is Doctor Who, and maybe it'll it'll get better, maybe it'll get worse. I don't know. That's the thing you don't you don't know what the next week will bring. And now that we're out of the leaked episodes, I don't know what to expect. Okay, well there you have there you've heard it. We're all uh, waiting with trepidation to see what unfolds next for Doctor Who, the uh, the one and only. Uh, drama series the the romantic drama series no I did not go there the uh, entertainment that can go anywhere any place any time and uh, you never know they may even end up on casualty there that, that would really be the 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 uh, the tail of the snake consuming uh, was it the snake consuming its own tail Ouroboros, yes. That's it. So yeah. many casualties. <laughs> yeah, that's what we all want. That's I'm 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 putting the case down. We want the TARDIS to land on the casualty set. There you go. <laughs> Challenge of doctors there. They are Moffat. Write that one for us. <laughs> okay. Crossover. Okay, I think I've had too much wine, um, but uh, there we go. Well, thanks, uh, Mike. Thanks, Ian, for uh, your reports, and um, we'll do it all again next week, and uh, that will be episode seven. We'll be talking about it on the Colton Collective on the Sunday. Kill the moon. Right, you get to kill the moon, damn moon. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, let's hope the Jadoon are not there. Platooning. Yeah. Okay, well, with that, uh, it's uh, goodbye from Mike. It's goodbye from... There's a a person missing here. It's Ah. goodbye from Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everyone. Where's that? Where did that broom go? Now he needs to sweep up here. Uh, there's a loop for you. He's caused the spillage. Now he's cleaning it up. Timey wimey. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.